filled her with an ache. Just leave. She was a corporate wife, though. She was used to being alone. Corporate wives were like another breed of single parent. Joanna was always busy, and once the kids were gone, she'd managed to fill the solitary hours with books and videos, or an occasional adult ed class. In fact, it was the last course she took, in computers, just after moving to Sparta, that led to the job she now had at a local candy company. It was mindless work, punching data into a computer all day, surrounded by buckets of chocolates and the sickening aroma of cocoa beans roasting. Her career, really, had been her family. She didn't mind. As a motherless child, she wanted nothing more than to raise her children herself and give them the love and security she'd never had. They'd followed Paul on his transfers and promotions all over the country, moves that took him higher in the company, like a real-life game of shoots and ladders. In twenty-six years of marriage, they'd moved more than a dozen times. As Paul kept scaling that corporate ladder, Joanna's job was to keep the rest of the family from sliding down the chutes. And now she and Paul would be moving again. She thought about Paul's big surprise last night. He had told her it was just a business dinner. She'd stood in the atrium of VIC's Northeast headquarters, just forty minutes from their home, in front of the large crowd of co-workers and even some of Paul's clients. Ted, Paul's boss and friend, saluted him for his hard work and sacrifice. And then, with great fanfare, Ted announced that Paul was the new vice president of national sales— Cheers erupted, and her husband headed for the podium. Tiny white lights twinkled in the trees, a fountain roared, and then her husband's voice began to fill the atrium with thanks and praise for his company. It was as if his words, echoing off the rising tile walls, had lifted her up high above the room. She'd watched it all like a spectator floating above the crowd, and saw the other Joanna, far below, smiling, clapping, operating on automatic pilot. After the applause, as Paul walked toward her, she'd plummeted back to earth, breathless. I can't do this again, she'd thought. Because she knew what would come next. Another house, another town. Paul would be away even more. And she would know no one. And then she'd begun to hyperventilate. The breath left her lungs as quickly as if it had been sucked out by a vacuum. And she couldn't seem to pull another breath in. She was going to cause a scene. Turning to escape to the ladies' room, she was suddenly stopped by a hand gripping her arm. She turned back, and there was Paul beaming. He must have seen the panic in her eyes, because suddenly he pulled her to him and kissed her hard. As the crowd cheered, he whispered in her ear, I need you here right now, Joanna. And then they were off working the room, her husband accepting handshakes and backslaps of congratulations as she was pulled along beside him. Now she looked up as a low-flying plane droned through the quiet morning. Through the leafless treetops, she saw a jet heading west across the brightening sky and wondered if it was her husband's plane. She remembered Paul telling her he could see their neighborhood on this flight path. She imagined him up there, sitting in business class, his laptop opened, his mind already geared for the meeting he'd be having in California, in spite of their late night. 
He would be gone for a week or more again. Did he even glance down or wonder about her, thousands of feet below? Was she anything to him or those he worked with, other than Paul's wife? As she left the woods, crossing the cul-de-sac behind her house, the newly risen sun flashed off the windows of the houses facing east. Cars sat warming in a few driveways, their exhausts billowing great puffs of steam on this frigid morning. In an hour and fifteen minutes she would be at work, sitting in her cubicle, a poster of Monet's water lilies staring at her from one carpeted wall, pictures of her children at various ages smiling on her from another. After eight hours she would come home to an empty house, hit the answering machine, and pour a glass of wine as she listened to the endless beeps from endless telemarketers, or Gabrielle, their errant cleaning lady, with another excuse. She would turn on the television for company.